Welcome to the Ready Room, the Trex and Sci-Fi Microcast. I'm Jen, and I play Commander Savril and Dr. Ryla Drett. And I'm Rick. I play Jadan Marley, the bartender, and Counselor Margon. And this is Kenny, and I play Captain Quinn and Nicholas Took. Welcome to Welcome. the Ready Room. Yay! <laughs> it's, you know, we've been, we were away for a while, we're back, and it's just like riding a horse, man. You just get back on and go. That's it, that's it. For today's show, we're going to be going through Season 9 readings, posts 21 to 40. Then we'll talk a little bit about those 20 posts. Uh, I think we have an RPG protocol. And then we'll do our final thoughts. Accessing library computer data. Initiating the story so far. Enter when ready. Our first post is written by Jen and will be read by Jen. Before Ryla could sidestep the unwanted attention, Susan Kane caught her in an emotional embrace. Ryla gave Mackie a smirk over the nurse's shoulder, then smiled at Susan as she finally pulled back to look at the trill. I'm so glad to see you, Ryla. How are you feeling? I didn't think you would come. I'm fine. She smiled for the woman who discovered her alive in the morgue. Nurse Kane had seen to Ryla's needs for a few days after her return from the dead. Soon, the Trill was well enough to reclaim her old quarters, and she hadn't seen Kane or anyone else from sickbay since that time. It had been quite a while since they last spoke, but she hadn't forgotten Susan's kindness. Thank you, she uttered quietly. The taller woman nodded and smiled in understanding. Anything for a friend. Ryla's gaze followed the captain as he approached the bar to order a drink, but her eye stopped on the officer standing just beyond him. Her hand subconsciously moved to her coat pocket, where the Terrasic talesman rested. The officer had given the healing charm to her a week prior, and it was then that he expressed his feelings for her. Ryla had been fond of Catan before, but now she wasn't sure who she was, or what she felt for anyone, let alone a man she knew so little about. She suggested that they try being friends first. At the time, it seemed like an appropriate response. Now she wondered if instead of beginning a friendship, she'd actually destroyed an opportunity. Well, it wouldn't be the first time. Part of her hoped he would say hello, but in that instant she recognized the dread reflected in his expression and was certain that he wouldn't. Catan gave her a half-hearted smile and a curt nod before bellying up to the bar with Joseph to Colin. She slowly turned her eyes back to Susan as the nurse continued her story about the pregnant Vulcan, who looked just like Commander Savril. The next post was written by Moyer777 and read by Moyer777. Margon rode the turbo lift silently. Here we go, he muttered as the doors opened. He stepped out and walked towards the entrance of the afterburner. He paused briefly as he adjusted his dress uniform. Then the blue man took a deep breath, put a smile on his face, and walked into the room. There they were, many of his crewmates that were also his patients. Overall, it felt good to hear laughter. It wasn't as awkward as he had anticipated. 
From across the room, Jadan greeted him. Margon, welcome, my friend, he smiled, excused himself, and quickly made his way to the counselor's side. Root beer and vinegar, he said with a smile. Sure, Jadan, he mused. How are you, my friend? As good as can be expected and a tad bit busy, as you can see, he quipped back. It looks like most everyone is here. Things should get underway soon. You want a drink here or at the bar? The bar's fine, thanks, said Margon. Gentlemen, can I join you, he said to Joseph and Catan. Sure, mate, said DeCallan. How is the council this fine evening? The next post was written by Dangelus and read by Dangelus. Lester waited for the turbolift doors to open. He found it curious that the journey was taking so long until he remembered that some of the lift shafts were still closed for repair. Coupled with the fact that most of the crew were headed to the afterburner for the ceremony, there was bound to be some congestion and delay. He resisted the urge to display his impatience, even though it was making him anxious. His fellow passenger was not as restrained. He could hear her sighing in protest and tapping her thigh. She smiled at him, as if to apologise. Lester nodded in acknowledgement before quickly averting his gaze. After what seemed like an eternity, the doors opened. Making his way out of the turbolift, he only paused for a second before heading for the doors of the afterburner. It was at that moment that Lester realised that he had never visited the lounge before, much less in a dress uniform. A lot of the crew were already there. Many had congregated into groups and decibel levels in the room were high. As Lester walked in, heads turned towards the doors to see who it was. Most did not know him and vice versa, but this didn't bother him. This is how he liked it. Making his way through the crowds to the bar, instead of joining a group, he found a seat. What can I get you, Ensign? asked the civilian bartender. Earth Lager. Southeast Asian variety, please, Lester requested, with a tinge of embarrassment. His refreshment arrived surprisingly quickly, considering how busy it was. Taking a sip, Lester turned in his chair a little so that he could observe the crew and waited. And now we have a post written by Iceman and read by Shepard. Dr. Peterson and Maella entered the afterburner to the sound of laughter and noisy conversation. They quickly took a seat in the corner away from the crowds and sat quietly watching the crowds of people interact. Casey's thoughts wandered as exhaustion had been his faithful companion for the last few weeks. It was clear to him that some rest was the next thing on his agenda. Maella looked over at her husband with concern. Are you okay, dear? Casey responded. Yes, I'm fine. Just tired. Casey looked down at the purple heart resting on his chest and still had many misgivings about receiving the medal as it was tangled up in memories of loss, failure, as well as self-sacrifice that had left far-reaching scars that he was still trying to deal with. Mayala quickly broke the silence and deep thoughts her husband seemed to be in by asking him if he wanted something to drink. Casey responded, Yes, dear, I will have a mejato. The waiter took the drink orders and then quickly disappeared. All that was left to do was wait for the few more senior officers to arrive and then the ceremony could begin. The next post was written by Just X and read by Billy Bob. Eric's smile grew as he weaved through the throngs of people gathering. It was still quite early for many of the crew, but for others, it was nearing the end of a long duty shift. That was the part of the magic of a starship. Day and night were constants dictated by the shift that you held, not the rising and setting of a star. Adjusting the pristine white uniform tunic, he found himself drifting towards the bar. He didn't need his telepathic gifts to feel the emotions and life in the room. Those gathered around him were survivors. They had weathered much that the universe had thrown at them, but they continued on. Eric couldn't help but be honored as his course drifted towards Ryla. He couldn't begin to understand the depths of what she might be feeling, but something pushed him in their direction. She was one of the few people on the ship that Arya had the pleasure of working hand-in-hand -hand with. Write a book on the impact that Dredd made, he projected to her. He didn't know Trill Society that well, but something inside Eric's mind told him that an autobiography after death might be something new. It was also a story that he wanted to hear. Leaning on the bar, Eric ordered a glass of water and continued to observe the room. The next post was written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Meds. Margon lifted the drink to his lips, and he took a sip. 
He noticed Catan and DeCallan watching him. Gentlemen, you seem to be expressing an interest in my drinking technique. Catan sniffed the air, and DeCallan wandered around and sniffed the tumbler. Mate, I'd normally put this stuff on my potato wedges. Margon looked at the two men, and then burst out laughing. DeCallan and Catan nodded to each other. They knew that Margon had been extremely busy dealing with the well-being of the crew's minds, but they also knew that Margon himself had been injured both physically and emotionally. The best thing they could do for their colleague was to make him laugh. Our next post was written by Brian C.D. and read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Dunn walked up to the closed doors of the afterburner and stopped to take a deep breath. His formal uniform jacket made it feel like he was slowly smothering himself to death, but his hand was steady. The doors parted and he quickly slid into the room in an effort to avoid detection. He looked around the room and saw most of the senior staff and crew were here. He needed to make a move when he saw DeColin at, of course, the bar with Catan and the bullying counselor. He smiled and walked towards them. This post was written by Wraith1701 and read by Billy Bob. Catan looked up as Dunn approached the bar and raised his glass in greeting. Mr. Dunn, good to see you. I was starting to think you'd be late. Dunn pulled out a seat and joined the group. Not on your life, sir. Dunn cracked a smile. My mother always said that tardiness was a sign of a lazy mind, so I always try to be on time, if not early. As he thought back on the times that Dunn had shown up in the nick of time to save the day, Catan couldn't help but nod in agreement. Catan turned to Counselor Margon. The bullion was wearing a tired smile that didn't quite make it to his eyes. With all the trauma inflicted on the Arabella and her crew during the recent encounter with the Borg, Catan understood the Counselor's pensiveness. Even now, weeks later, the after-effects of the ordeal were still being felt. Since his transfer to the Tiberius, and then to the Arabella, Catan had come to know and respect the Counselor, both as a mentor and a friend. Margon's insight had been crucial in helping Catan face down some of his own personal demons, and he felt a strong desire to help brighten the Counselor's spirits. He recalled one of the exercises the Counselor had given him years ago. Sometimes you just have to reach out to people. A kind word goes a long way. Catan cleared his throat. I've been meeting to say thank you, Counselor Margon. The help you provided me when I first arrived on the Tiberius has helped me turn my life around. Without your efforts, I doubt I would have lasted much longer in Starfleet. Catan gave the bullion a firm, comradely punch in the shoulder, then raised his glass before him in salute. Kapla! The next post was written by Moyer777 and read by Moyer777. Margon tried to hold it together. It really touched him that Catan would say that, and in front of others. He raised his root beer and shouted, Kapla! His smile turned to seriousness as he said, You know, you worked through a lot of it yourself, Catan. I only encouraged you to find yourself. Margon rubbed his shoulder. Catan was being friendly, but his shoulder hurt now. I just wanted you to know how much you've helped me, Counselor, Catan said again. Dunn and DeCallan laughed as the bullion rubbed his shoulder. We need to get you onto the holodeck gym, Dunn mused. Uh, Perhaps a friendly game of Parisi's squares, barked Catan. Name your time, Margon said in jest as he took the last swig of his rancid root beer. It was good for the counselor to smile, and it was genuine. And now we have a post written by Jen, also read by Jen. Ryla glanced up as her mind registered the inaudible suggestion and noticed Lieutenant Commander James at the bar. She watched him nurse a drink as Mackie and Susan continued the conversation. As Assistant Chief Medical Officer, Ryla had familiarized herself with the medical files of the majority of the Arabella's crewmen and knew Mr. James to be a telepath. Write a book, the voice had said. She didn't appreciate the mental intrusion. She focused on one single thought as she watched him down the rest of his drink. I'm not a writer. The next post was a joint post written by Jen and Just X, and it will be read by myself. Rayla excused herself from Mackie and Susan's discussion and moved to the open stool next to Eric James. Jadan handed her a cup of Ractagino. She took a sip and turned to the Nacine Elorian. I heard your voice but you clearly were not close enough for that to be an audible suggestion, she remarked as she set her beverage on the bar. How are you, Lieutenant? He asked. 
I could be better, but I guess that could be said for many of us these days, she replied. Eric offered a polite smile. It's not hard to see the grief you're going through. I know that look from personal experience, but there might be a way to channel that. You should write a book about the life of dread. A written testament of the life that has passed. Something that I believe no other host has been in a position to do. Remembering the past might give you perspective on your future. Personally, I would be very interested in knowing more about the officer that gave their life in the defense of this crew and ship. Taking a sip of his water, Eric gave the trill his undivided attention. Loss often came with being a member of Starfleet, but it did not have to be a meaningless loss. Perhaps we can talk more on this after the ceremony and my meeting with Counselor Margon. The next post was written jointly by Star Trek Fanatic 5 and Just X, and it's read by Star Trek Fanatic 5. Quinn and Took stood at the bar and watched as various crew members entered the afterburner. As O500 arrived, Quinn stepped away from Took and proceeded to the podium that had been set up. He caught Lieutenant Commander James's eye, who nodded and joined. Nathan cleared his throat, and the room fell silent. He placed the pad on the podium and looked around at all the happy faces smiling back at him. He took pause to return the smile and then began. First, I want to thank you all for joining us here today. I know that I have taken you away from your much-needed shore leave, so I will make this short and to the point. We are here today to honor two of our fellow officers. These two men represent the best of what Starfleet has to offer. They have gone above and beyond to perform their duties as Starfleet officers. Would Lieutenant Joseph DeCollin and Ensign Christopher Dunn please join us up at the podium? Once both men arrived at the podium, Quinn continued. As captain of this vessel, it is my duty and privilege to reward those who excel in their duties, who put others' well-being before their own. James handed Quinn a small black box. Nathan opened the box to reveal a black pip. He removed it and attached it to DeCollin's collar next to the two solid gold pips. Lieutenant Joseph DeCollin, I hereby promote you to the rank of Lieutenant Commander. There was applause as DeCollin stepped back and Dunn approached. Quinn took the other box, which contained another black pip. He removed the pip. Ensign Christopher Dunn, it is my honor to promote you to the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grade. Quinn pinned the black pip next to the single gold pip. Once again, the crowd applauded. Quinn raised his hand and silence fell again as Nathan gestured to Lieutenant Commander James to take the podium. Eric nodded slightly as he stood before the gathered crew. It has been a personal honor to have served with and beside everyone aboard this vessel. We've had joys and pains on this short time aboard this ship, but we have survived. We've done more than survive. We have excelled all expectations. Eric took a slow, deep breath before continuing. We've had our share of losses and setbacks, but we did not allow ourselves to be defeated. We have watched with rapt attention as these two officers have constantly put the needs of this crew before their own. Congratulations to you both. It is an honor well-deserved in a crew of well-deserving individuals. Quinn applauded with the rest as James finished his speech. Thank you, Mr. James. Now please, everyone enjoy the festivities. The briefly silent room erupted in music and conversation as the festivities began in earnest. Here's another post written by Jen, also read by Jen. Ryla watched as her fellow officers congratulated Dunn and DeCollin. Joseph had been the last patient she saw in sickbay before her death. He was badly injured during a successful attempt to rescue Dunn during an away mission. Doctors Dredd and Myella Peterson were the only physicians aboard when Joseph's mangled body arrived, and neither had the experience necessary to perform the surgery. In an effort to save him, Ryla made the decision to activate the EMH so that the hologram could supervise the procedure. The Mark V had nearly driven her mad, but he was highly skilled, and because of him, the chief of security survived. She had endured the hologram's obnoxious antics for Joseph's sake, and made sure DeCollin was well aware of this fact when he awoke. He was a stubborn patient, and Ryla joked that if he didn't stop giving her a hard time, she would activate the emergency medical hologram to keep him company while she was off duty. She never made good on her threat. Instead, she recruited Nurse Kane for the task. The Trill smiled slightly as she watched Susan hovering near him at the reception. 
From her place at the bar, Ryla lifted her mug in salute to them both, then finished the rest of her rack de Gino. Her head swam with the friendly suggestions of her fellow crewmates. Change your appearance, rearrange your quarters, plan a memorial, write a book. Right now, all she really wanted to do was hit something. She watched Catan mingling in the crowd and wondered if he hated her. Only one way to find out, replied her inner voice. Still feeling the confidence of Mackie's chemical influence, she stood, took a deep breath, and approached the chief tactical officer. The small woman moved to his side when his conversation had reached a natural lull. Hello, Commander. Fearing that he would make an excuse to walk away, she didn't wait for a response. I have the innate desire to punch something. Trouble is, I don't know how. I realize there are a number of qualified individuals who are more than capable of instructing me in the martial arts, but I want to learn Mok Bara, and I'd like to learn it from you. Are you willing to teach a screwed-up Trill how to kill something with her bare hands? As soon as the question escaped her lips, her serious expression crumbled. A smile lit her face, and she chuckled at the absurdity of it all. <laughs> I'd like to make a new friend, and maybe let off a little steam in the process. By hitting something. Really hard. I hear you're good at that. The next post was written by Hawkeye Meds and read by Hawkeye Meds. Joseph stood chatting with Dunn, and by the look of his arm movements, he was once again explaining the game of cricket. Susan watched him, and a warm feeling grew in her stomach. She glanced over at Ryla and Katan, who was also in mid-conversation. She was proud to be aboard this ship and she had her admiral to thank for getting her the position aboard the Arabella. Joseph slapped Dunn on the back. That's the spirit lieutenant J.G. <laughs> hey, you'll love the game. You wear a helmet, though. Dunn looked up. A helmet? Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah, and a box. Joseph took a swig of his beer and looked at Dunn, whose mouth had dropped. What's a box? Joseph put his glass down and pretended to swing about. Protection, mate. You know, it's like a cup. Dunn looked at his glass. Cup? Joseph smiled. My, when a leather ball is coming at you at 145 kmh and smacks you straight in the testicles, you're going to wish you had the box down your strides. Slapping a wood Dunn on his back, the column began to walk away, but gave him one last cheeky comment. Of course, that's the speed of a human ball. I don't know what the speed of a Klingon's ball is going to be. Dunn's eyes widened and he turned, but Joseph was out of earshot and already standing back at the bar ordering another drink for himself and Susan. Thinking about the power of a Klingon strength, Dunn looked quickly at Katarn and then back at the Callan, who shot him a sly smile in acknowledgement of the friendly wind-up. Dunn relaxed and laughed to himself before quickly knocking back his celebratory ale. The next post was written by Wraith1701 and read by Billy Bob. As DeCallan and Dunn continued to celebrate their much-deserved promotions, Catan found his attention fully captured by Ryla. The doctor's face brightened as she graced him with a melodic chuckle, and as her lips perked into a small smile, Catan felt his heart quicken. So, what do you say? Ryla asked. Feel up to taking on a student? Catan felt his face flush in a wave of giddiness as he struggled to come up with a response. The doctor's warmth felt like a tonic to him, and he didn't want to risk losing it through verbal clumsiness. Throwing caution to the wind, Catan returned the doctor's smile with one of his own. I'd be honored to assist you in any way that I can. The warm giddiness filling his chest seemed like it was now making itself at home in his flushed face. Catan's smile felt pleasantly locked into a permanent grin. And by the way, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you look exceptionally radiant this evening, Ryla, he added. As the noise level in the afterburner continued to steadily rise, Catan found himself quietly marveling at the courage of the petite Trill Doctor, and at her determination to press forward despite the grievous harm done to her during the Borg conflict. He also marveled at how this brief exchange suddenly brightened the tone of his day. Only the fates knew what the future held in store for the two of them, but as long as that future included her friendship, Catan felt certain that it would be a bright one. And here's a post written by Iceman, read by Shepard. After congratulating both newly promoted officers, Dr. Peterson made the rounds and chatted briefly with all the senior officers before stopping and asking Ryla how she was doing after her ordeal of losing her symbiote. He smiled briefly and let her know that he was available, as was Counselor Margon, if she needed to talk. 
Dr. Peterson disliked these formal affairs, and after an hour or so, he headed back to his table to collect his wife before retiring to his quarters for the night to catch up on some much-needed rest. Next up, we have a post written by Moyer777 and read by Moyer777. Morgan was surprised that he'd enjoyed the ceremony. It was great to see the interaction of the crew. He saw nothing negative occurring, which was rare. Sometimes it was hard for him to take off his counselor hat. He didn't really ever get to do that unless he was locked away in his hollow quarters. Jadan was collecting glasses off the bar. So, counselor, how goes it? It's good, Jadan. I'm still working through some stuff, but I'm doing well. We're all working through things, Jadan smiled. We need to hang out. Maybe I can get your mind off work. I know this great hollow program with a cute bullion lady. Margon blushed, which was quite a sight on a blue man. He raised an eyebrow and he chuckled. <laughs> well, uh, maybe. A strong maybe. <laughs> Jadan's com- communicator chirped. Private incoming communication for Jadan Marley. Gotta run, counselor. I'll be in touch. Margon finished his third root beer and vinegar, pushed away from the bar and said his goodbyes. Walking out into the corridor, he made his way to the turbo lift and was on his way back to his quarters. He was quite familiar with the crew, but there were so many different people on board doing repairs that it was strange to see people he didn't know. As he approached his quarters, a repair crewman was working on the panel next to his entrance. Hello, Margon said cheerfully. What are you working on? The workman turned, and for a brief moment, things became tense. For some reason, Margon recognized him, but couldn't place him. Nothing to be concerned about, sir. Is it, uh, Counselor Margon? Yes, and and you are? The counselor said, trying to read his identification. Oh, that's not important. I need a quick word with you, he said, pulling out a small laser welder from his work belt and forcing Margon into his quarters. Margon slowly stepped in and stared at the Orion worker. What do you want with me? Where's your son? asked the stranger. Brex? What do you mean? He's dead, Margon said in a shocked voice. Yeah, right, the man said sarcastically. Where is he? I told you, he's dead. (laughs) Well, he must not be too dead. I just spoke to him yesterday. He has something that belongs to me, counselor, and I need it back. So I'll ask you one more time. Where is... And the door chimed. Don't say a word. And if you value your friends' lives, don't report this. I'll be in touch. You can't be serious. Don't test me, Mr. Margon. Don't test me. The people I work for are very powerful. The intruder motioned towards the door as he put his finger up to his lips. Let them in, he whispered as he tucked the laser welder into his utility belt. "'Come,' the counselor said. The door opened, revealing a crew member. "'Thank you, counselor,' said the Orion, walking out. "'You shouldn't have any more problems with the environmental controls.' As he made his way behind the crewman, he looked at Margon and put his finger back up to his mouth. The glare was intense. The door closed, and the young ensign looked at Margon. "'You okay, counselor? You look like you've seen a ghost. What's up?' The counselor wiped his sweaty forehead and let out a sigh. (sighs) Trouble, Ensign. Trouble. The next post was written by Moyer777 and read by Moyer777. Jadan slipped into the small office and looked at the screen. Incoming personal message for Jadan Marley, the computer had written on the screen. There was a small diamond-shaped icon at the bottom of the screen. Jadan entered a code on the pad, and the screen lit up. There you are. I've been waiting. What took you so long? A large lizard-looking gentleman said. He was missing teeth on both sides and was a shade of lime green. I had matters to attend to, said Jadan in a somewhat slower-than-usual manner. He was using the universal translator, but for some reason it was working differently than normal. How many times have I told you that time is of the utmost importance in my communications? If you value your family, I would think you would get to me the information that I need in a quick and effective manner. 
Jadan's fingers crossed back and forth on the panel of his desk. The alien communicating with him was using a hollow masking device. He wasn't sure who he was really speaking to. All he knew is that his name was Lethor, and he was a lowlife. I have the information you want, so just send me the payment and I'll give you the goods, Jadan said confidently. There is coming a day when I will have the entire list, my friend. And when I do, I will have no need for you. You think you can bleed me dry, do you? The lizard snarled. Well, that isn't today, is it? Let's get on with it. I have other things to to, to do. The alien transmitted the data to Jadan's workstation. Information received. I'll get back with you within 24 hours. You'll get back to me sooner than that. I hear Moffa is not feeling well. It would be a shame if he felt even worse. How is your father doing after his experience with the Borg? (laughs) Many people have been known to end it all after that kind of experience. The lizard smirked with a sarcastic tone. Inside of Jadan, his heart jumped. This is exactly what was he was hoping to avoid. How far would they really go? Look, I'll keep my end of the bargain. You keep yours. Transfer the funds, and you'll get what you want. But Lethar, if you touch one of my family, I will find you. And I know you're not the person on the screen. Don't think you're fooling anyone for a moment. I have my sources, too. Lethar checked his panel. How could his masking signal be detected? Understand me, Lethar. If you do anything to them, I will find you and you will die. He paused and gave his most evil glare. Brex out. Lethar watched his view screen as it went dark. The image of the younger Bolian was a tad bit intimidating. Working for the syndicate was not a pleasant job. He wondered why he even got hooked up with such horrible company. At least one of his operatives was on board the Arabella during the repairs. If he had to, he would harm Margon. He couldn't seem to find Brex anywhere. Jadan sat alone in his office with sweat beaded up on his forehead. How could he keep this up? This ruse wasn't going to last much longer, and he didn't really have the list. He would have to rely on his connections to provide the information to Lethar. This was going to be a long 24 hours. He looked at his now blank screen to see the reflection of his dead friend. Computer, said Jadan. Discontinue hologram of Brex. Once again, we have another post written by Jen and read by Jen. She liked Catan for the obvious reasons. He was tall and handsome and very charming. But Ryla wasn't a typical female. She was Trill, and Trills were old souls. Through her symbiont, she'd gained the memories of a dozen lifetimes, and if Ryla had learned anything from Dret, it was to be prudent with regards to romance. Okay, so he doesn't hate me, she thought. Ryla felt a wave of relief that, for a change, had not originated from her fertilian friend. You're very kind, she said in response to his compliment. There was a brief silence between them before she extended her hand and smiled once more. It's a deal, then. I look forward to the first lesson. He accepted her hand, and she shook it as though a business arrangement had been made. Would 1,700 hours tomorrow afternoon be a convenient time for you? Maybe afterwards we could get a bite to eat. Unless, of course, you have other plans. Last but not least, we have a post written by Feathers and read by Dangelus. Petak! Screamed the Klingon and charged across the cave, raising his weapon with a practiced ease. Galdar stepped aside and lifted his own batleth as he did so. With a crash, the weapons met, the Klingon's momentum carrying him past his larger opponent and almost to the rocky wall. As Galdar gathered himself for another assault, the Klingon gave him a sneering smile. So you think you can best me in a physical challenge? He roared and started to move forward again. Galdar maintained his composure and raised his own weapon. Today is a good day to die, he replied with quiet conviction. 
The weapons rang as contact was made, amplified by the unusual acoustics of the cave. Galdar put all his strength into the blow, forcing his opponent aside. Then, dropped his weapon and clapped both hands to his ears. Computer! Freeze program! He shouted as he tried to bury his palms in the side of his head to shut out the pain that the blow had caused. He took a moment to gather himself, then stood and reached for the Klingon sword on the floor. Resume! He called. The Klingon charged. Galdar swung, and honor was settled. The body twitched once and then lay still. Galdar took two steps forward and looked down at his ex-opponent as the Klingon dissolved from view. He was expressionless at first, but slowly a toothy smile spread across his wrinkled face and he hefted his weapon above his head and opened his mouth to roar a challenge at the universe. Suddenly his mouth snapped closed without uttering a sound and he threw his battle to the floor. Turning on his heel, he walked towards the blank wall. Computer. End program. As he exited the holodeck, he muttered to himself, If one four-foot Klingon takes that much effort to defeat on the easy setting, I'd better find myself another hobby. As the doors closed behind him, he ran his hands lightly along the top of his lobes, removing the sweat that had gathered on the orange skin, and headed off towards his quarters on Station 416, in the typical bandy-legged gate of his species. So what's happening with uh, the story so far? We've got new people, new people posting. Yeah, Feathers. Yes, Feathers posted his first character. Yeah, uh-huh. we've got uh, a lot of interaction going on at the at um, the afterburner. Afterburner. Yeah. I think the ceremony happens and everything, doesn't it? Oh, that's right. The ceremony happened too. Mm-hmm. That's right. Where um, Christopher Dunn and Joseph DeCollin got promoted. Everyone seemed to be coming up to Ryla. Ryla's like gathering a lot of attention. Well, yeah. I mean, how often do you run into resurrected people? <laughs> Well, like also, Jesus. she hasn't. She's been. Remember, she's been kind of by herself most of the time for the three weeks. She's been avoiding people. That's true. So, That's true. and then this is the first time they've seen her back, and it's kind of awkward, and they don't know whether they should approach her and say, "I feel sorry for your you know, loss yeah. or whatever." It's just, I don't know what to do in those situations either. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but it plays really well. I mean, some have been really you know, like Jadan came kind of humorous and funny and then uh you have others who kind of avoid like Catan. so yeah it's interesting it's interesting yeah and then uh we have something going on with jadan impersonating brex well now okay now some people have asked me about this what's going on man well this this pertains to like seasons past right it does before brex's death Remember when, back when, now some of the folks listening to The Ready Room may not have gone back and read some of the previous seasons, but there was this one point where, of course, Brex dies, saving Margon. Yeah. And they put his body on a shuttle. And as you recall, if you think back, um, this reminds me of Lost and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> um, as you recall, Jadan snuck on board the shuttlecraft that was, was, had Brex's body and scanned it with a, a device and then we we kind of caught wind that perhaps there was something going on with the Orion Syndicate, and and then we just dropped it because the season ended. Yeah. Well, now you know as we come back into things, um, some stuff starts to happen, and uh, we're going to find the story is going to continue on. We're going to find out now why why he scanned Brex and uh, you know what's going on there. Margon doesn't know what's going on, but of course we you've already heard the post where he gets confronted by uh, the Orion uh, uh, maintenance worker yeah. in his quarters, and now he's got to figure out how he's going to deal with that, which is going to be kind of difficult con- considering the fact that him and the captain um, are having um, some issues, which you'll find out about soon. Yeah, because that hasn't posted yet. Yeah, so but you'll find out about it. Just, let's just put, say it's going to be an interesting way to work I think, around. I think it's really cool is that you're bringing up stuff from like two, three seasons ago. A lot of people haven't – I mean a lot of people haven't – you know, have this ongoing thread, right? Um, and I'm trying, I'm trying to write it in a, in such a tone that you don't have to know all the stuff from behind it, but you can kind of get a feel for, oh, okay, something's going on here that I didn't realize. Yeah, because because Brex's character really doesn't get explained in the later seasons because he's he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> so. and Brex was the. Um, was bartender yeah. on Tiberius, yeah. and he was Counselor Margon's son. Yes, yes, and and yeah. he's also uh, Jadan. Remember Brex in the backstory. If you read any of it, you'll find that Jadan was rescued out of slavery to one of the gold goals on um, uh, Bajora, 
and uh, Brex rescued him from that and gave him his freedom. And then from that point on, Jadan served with Brex on the different starships until Brex died, and now he's taken Brex's place. Yeah. So that's kind of how that all progresses. But but I had a really good time. I hope everybody enjoyed this this week's reading because uh, Nathan and I sat and we did a funny, a cool voice for the for the uh, alien that uh, contacted Brex or contacted Jadan. And, uh, and we did a special music bed for it, too. So it was a lot of oh, fun. Oh, cool. Nice. Wait till you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else is going on? Um, people just having fun at the bar, really. Got a real good kick out of, uh, out of the guys writing uh, their dialogue with Margon. That was really fun. That was great, yes. And, and one, guy, one guy, I can't remember who punches me in the arm and it hurts. That's Catan. Catan <laughs> hit you. But you know, it was a really special moment because Catan was saying how much Margon had helped him. Yes. That was All really that. a stretch for him because you don't usually hear him <laughs> talking like that. And Margon was very touched by it. But then, of course, you can't be too emotional. So he smacks him in the, in the <laughs> arm. You know? And Margon's like, ow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what happened with, with Ryla and um, James? Eric James. Oh, yeah. The whole mind thing. She now, heard – she was – I don't know. That was just like a, an aside. But um, he's telepathic because he's half um, nascene. Nascene, yeah. So, yeah. So she hears him say, write a book. And she um, looks towards him. Of course, be, being the assistant chief medical officer, she knows you know all the medical files of the majority of the Arabella's crew and knew that James was a telepath. Yeah. And so uh, she just focused on a single thought. And she tells him, I'm not a writer. So <laughs> – that was yeah. great. But then she ends up at the bar with them and he explains a little bit more and invites, you know, asks if he could talk more. You know, he's trying to talk her into doing the book thing. And everybody has some advice for Ryla. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> cou- the counselor thinks she should change her appearance and, right, and right. Um, you know, trying to get over the fact that she lost her symbiont and, uh, you know, rearrange her quarters, write a book, all this stuff. And all she wants to do is punch something. You know? <laughs> so which, then she goes which, to Catan and, yeah, and you know, uses great. that to uses that as an icebreaker. You know, I'd like to hit something, but I don't know how <laughs> I hear you're great. good at that. <laughs> so I well, and I like I could I could actually see the thing. I mean, it's so funny how when you're reading. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I read. There's just I have a vivid imagination, and so I could see the whole thing taking place, and I could see uh, Ryla's mannerisms towards him as he kind of warmed up to her again and yeah, realized. I don't remember, so that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just thought it looked. I mean, in my mind, I was thinking this is kind of cool because I, I I can't wait to see them interact on the holodeck, and what is that going to cause? You know, is this going to kindle something or is it yeah. going to stop something? I don't know. But it, but it made me think, oh, that's kind of fun. It's good to see Ryla start to think past the problems. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't remember the – was the last post where she shakes his hand? No, the last post for uh, Ryla? Yeah. Uh, she liked Katan for obvious reasons. Yeah, she uh, shakes his hand yeah. in that post. Yeah. That, that I was drawing on from experience. Um, yeah, because I did that to my husband on our first date. <laughs> he, um, he was dropping me off and there was this awkward pause for a long time. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, he wants a kiss. So I stuck my hand out. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks anyway. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing. And that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. So anyway, I thought, what would Ryla do? I mean, she feels awkward, but at the same time, you know, she just wants to make sure that they're still friends. So yeah, she offers a, a handshake Man, and they make, it's like a business arrangement, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I, I, that reminds me too. I remember the first time I mustered up all of it, everything inside of me to tell my wife, Amy, that I loved her. And, uh, and I, I remember saying we were dating and I, and I looked at her and finally, after a long evening of trying to get it out, I, I said, I love you. And she looked at me, with this fear in her eyes, and she said, thank you. And she got out of the car and left. And left me hanging, man. I was like, oh, no. Of course oh, good. So it's not was, just me. No, it wasn't just you. <laughs> so don't feel bad. She didn't yeah. even shake my hand. She just got out of my car and left. She was scared. <laughs> what comes after that? Oh. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Real stories on the ready room. 
Anyway, so what else happened? Um, I guess that's it. Basically, it was the ceremony. Just basically, and the, the ceremony and the party afterwards. People. Yeah. Uh, what about feathers? Um, oh, feathers. that's right. That's yeah, right. we have Feather's new character, and he introduced himself through a holodeck program, fighting a Klingon. Yeah, which is it reminded cool. it reminded me a little bit of the the um, Deep Space Nine episode where Quark had yes, learned, same uh, thing. Had the, had, yeah, had it, I really liked that episode. It was really cool. So yeah. when I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, this is great because it it reminded me of that of just the the whole. Um, you know, fighting on the holodeck, the big, huge Klingons, and this guy being short and thinking that, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, would this re- in real life, would this guy be able to do what he's doing because <laughs> he's just this little guy? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe he is a skilled warrior. We don't know yet because we don't yeah. know his character. Well yet. Not yet. Yeah. No. So, all right. So I think that is going to do it for the story so far. Diagnostic complete. Initiating RPG protocol. For today's RPG protocol, we wanted to talk about time. Um, we don't have time to talk about time. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's been a few questions about uh, time aboard the ship, uh, how it progresses, who progresses it, you know. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I did notice that um, as we were – I mean it was like time slowed down when we were waiting for the for the ceremony to start. And then after the ceremony was over – then all of a sudden it was like, now how does time progress here? We're not sure what, where to go. I kind of personally, I just kind of wait until you, Kenny or Jen, push the storyline ahead. That's what I kind of wait for. Mm-hmm. You guys being the moderators, that's what I do. But I don't know. Is that what the protocol is? Is that what we're supposed to do? We haven't really. Ha- we should probably have that written down somewhere, but we don't. And it hasn't been a problem before at all. And it really isn't a problem yet. But then we've gotten. A lot more writers joining in, and I just wanted to make sure everybody understood how that worked, just in case. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's it's okay to write about you know what your character's doing. Maybe they're going to sleep or eating dinner or something like that. It doesn't matter because all of our characters work different shifts. But when you mention like a shift change or like the starship time, yeah. it kind of puts us in a bad situation because then you have some people that are still doing something that was going on yesterday and they haven't right. finished that scene well, yeah. or whatever. So. That's yeah. true, you know, that's true but it also brings up what we can't wait forever for people to post. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, cause it does get, if, if the party was going on, like the party, you know, a lot of people didn't do a lot at the party. There was a few posts about the party and then everyone started posting new stuff about the next day or, you know, so it's progressing, so I mean, if if you get to that point and you're not able to post, and then all of a sudden you're reading posts and it's the next day, don't post something about the party. Well, you know, there's a fix around that. I mean, because a lot of times you can write a little bit in, like, um, let's say you're going to talk about what happened at the afterburner last, let's say it's progressed to the next day, but you were working on a joint post with somebody else for the afterburner that last night. Well, it's pretty easy to, in the morning, write, you know, have your character wake up and start talking about what happened last night. Yes, yeah, it's like a flashback. Well, I mean, there, yeah, there is a fix for that. Yes, if, if definitely has something going on like that, but uh, definitely, yeah, but, it's kind of, kind of hard. Yeah, but Jen and I try not to progress the story too fast because we do know people are busy in their real lives. Um, yeah, but we but we can't but we can't sit on you know the afterburner after party for a week. Well, week what, and a half. how long though? Because it's because some of us um, are doing joint posts together, and it's you know that sometimes slow down slows down how quickly yes. that can be posted. So when you're doing a joint post with three people, that makes it even longer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess it's kind of a it's kind of like see the way we worked it out. It was it was Desi and um, which is in stick in stitches and Casey and I. We're trying to get our characters out of the afterburner because I've been waiting for Eric to post, but I think he's gotten busy, so I just decided to, you know, start on the next post, mm-hmm. and and um, that will get us out, and then we could refer to whatever scene we were closing, you know, w- between Catan and Ryla as an after, th- you know, like a flashback or like a a recollection or something like that, because mm-hmm. you know it's progressed past that now, so. Um, and Desi's pretty busy, so she didn't get our joint post until yesterday, you know, afternoon. So that'll be posted today to progress the story. But the way we, the way we decided to get our characters out of the the afterburner was to 
write as though they'd been chatting all night and lost track of time, and the, the next shift was coming in as they left. So uh, that, that got us out of the afterburner. But nice. um, we haven't posted that yet, but it will be posted today. But um, So that's that's how you could do it, like, like um, Rick was saying. It could be done as a flashback or a, rec- a recollection or a conversation with somebody else if you've left something open-ended. So yeah. a little overlap is okay. But we, yes. Kenny's also right. You can't wait like two weeks you know, well, for we, someone to finish something. Or I just kept thinking, time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's funny to talk about time, too, because... We have characters who have had past lives in time, and you know some characters have gone back in time and forward in time. And then we're like, please or make char- sure you t- pay attention to the timeline when you're posting. It's, I mean, it's really yeah, like you said, it's not been an issue. It's just, and we're not making an issue now. It's just something no. that's that keeping when you're reading posts. If you see three or four posts that are the next day, then do a recollection or a flashback about you know if you have to post something that happened the night yeah. before. And I mean, likewise, don't like you see that there are like four people who still are in the afterburner. Don't go, you know. Well, so and so went to blah 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 the next day, and is you know, yeah. it's now the evening, and you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean Jen and I so. are are pretty much the ones that progress the time to the next day. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm trying so, to I mean, say. The very beginning. Yeah, I I just take my props from you guys and say, all right, if it's the if 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 Kenny, you type something about or you post something about it being the morning, well then. I'm done with that, and I'm I'm there, you know. Cause yeah. I, I had to wait to. I, I don't think we read it on this. I'm not, no, I don't think. I think it comes up next one. Um, but there was a post that I was waiting that we had collaborated on, but it couldn't happen till after the ceremony. But it had to happen the next morning. It couldn't happen that night. So on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. I just kind of read what you guys write, and if it's if it if it progresses that way, then I do it. I I personally don't feel like I can progress the storyline into the next day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, our, our biggest thing is please don't progress it two, three days in in, the, in advance. I mean, I can see if it was yesterday and today, you know, and you're posting the same posts. Unless that, that's fine. Unless you're crewman Daniels from the Enterprise, and then you can do whatever you want. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, in the future, in the past. Yes, well, Jen and I have talked about uh, a time story coming up, and that might be really confusing. Yeah, having time repeat itself, or people oh, being well, different time yeah. zone, time, you know, time frames. Time, Time causality, causality. How do you say it? causalities? Yeah. <laughs> ah, whatever. I don't have so, time to talk about it right now. Yeah, we're we're like like Kenny said. It's it's nothing has happened yet, but we know that there's a lot more people. There's four new people writing this season. Yeah. So and and the more writers you add to something, the better uh-huh. the story is. But also the in more of a a balancing act. It technically, becomes, but, yeah. Technically, yeah. it becomes a lot harder. Yeah, because yeah. everybody has to be on the same page, basically, is what's going on. Yes. Or in the same, the same day. Yes, it's a good challenge. So, so yeah, so it's not a problem. We're just making you, everyone aware of it. If you see something, you know, yeah, just fix it. Cool. All right, so I think that is going to do it for our RPG protocol. Command codes verified. Activating final thoughts. All right, so it's time for our final thoughts. Do we have any? Well, I've got a lot of thoughts. I don't know if they're <laughs> final. But, uh. Uh, I would just like to say, overall, I've been really enjoying um, the season so far. Uh, you know, it 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 bursted onto the scene, and there were a lot of posts, and then it kind of went for a lull for until I did the ceremony, and then all of a sudden it bursted back up again, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're at like post fifty something as we record this. Um, of course, we're only doing 20 posts at a time just for length reasons and my sanity. So <laughs> um, we're going to try to keep up as much as we can. So, I mean, if you're enjoying the story and you want to figure out what's going on, I would suggest going to the forums. And you can actually read all the way up to like 55 or wherever we're at now. Um, that You can go to the forums by going to com slash forums. So, yeah, so if you're really interested in finding out what's going on with these people, then definitely go read them. If not, just hang out and wait for the next Ready Room, and we will definitely catch you up eventually. Yeah. I, have um, a final, I have a final thought. What is it? My final thought is, for some reason, this season is easier for me to read. I don't know what the deal is, but um, I've noticed that I'm not getting behind as much as I did before. And I, I, guess, I, I guess so many of us are writing progressive type of things that I want to find out what happens. Mm-hmm. 
that um, I when when a post is made, I you know I'll just sit there and really read through it because I enjoy it. And I think that was a great idea. I think Jen, you you had told people make sure you subscribe to that particular thread so it sends it into your email mm-hmm. because then you can keep up on it as you're going throughout the day. You can keep yeah. up on it. So yeah, very cool. Do you have any thoughts, Jen? Um, I'm just happy that we have new blood that has entered the, thre- uh, yeah. you know, the RPG and, and they're excellent writers and are um, coming up with some really compelling stories and interesting characters, which are mm-hmm. always cool. Yeah. So well, it, adds a, it adds a fresh perspective on everything. It's great. Yeah. 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 Not that we don't like our old writers. We thank our no, old no, not writers for sticking with us for uh, eight seasons now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we, really look forward to um right now i don't really think we have a direction of where we're taking the story it's just kind of going uh-huh um, there's no major plot going anywhere right now the ceremony is ending um so hopefully you've posted something to that effect um it's the next day it's next morning actually and people are uh, starting their morning duties mm-hmm. so if that means you're on the ship because you know the ship has to be staffed still even though people are on shore leave the ship always is staffed so there are people working on the ship still, so if you want to stay on the ship and work, that's great. If you want to run off to uh, the planets, that's great too. Go to the holodeck, have some fun in the holodeck. There's plenty of programs. Um, actually, the holodecks on our ship are down, so you would have to go to the starbase for the holodeck. That's right. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah, so just make sure you know you distinguish that you're on the starbase. And the starbase is huge, so you can go have fun on the starbase too. There's plenty to do over there. Right. Um, or you can hang out in the afterburner and get drunk and stay there for a <laughs> week and a half. <laughs> hang out with Jadan. That's right. So um, there's plenty to do and just have fun. If something pops up and everyone seems to like it, then we'll go with that storyline. You know, there's nothing set in stone right now. Yeah, if things do slow down, then obviously Jen, Rick, and I will bump our heads together and we'll come up with, you know, something that everyone can participate in. Whack. Ow. Keep everybody going. Uh, we don't want it to be. You know, we don't want the story to stall, which it can. Right. You know, people are busy, and sometimes they just can't find their way, and they like to be, you know, mm-hmm. prodded. Yeah, or you know, handheld and taken through a story, which is sometimes. cool too. So sometimes we get some really good stuff that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess that is going to do it for this week's the Ready Room. This is Kenny. This is Jen. And this is Rick. Hailing frequencies closed. How cool is this podcast? That means that you, excellent people who are listening to this cool podcast, are even more cooler. How cool is that? So once you finish listening to this podcast, why don't you come over to our podcast and give us a go? We're called Waffle On. You can find us on iTunes. Simply type in Waffle On or go to our webpage and you'll find us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com We do TV. We talk about classic TV from 1960 to 1990. You'll find everything here from sci-fi to comedy, from drama to thriller. Come and check us out. We're called Waffle On. <laughs> no, I don't think he likes you at all. <laughs> no, I don't like you either. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. That's good writing. Yes. Because it's not much dialogue. And because <clears throat> George Lucas didn't write all the <coughs> dialogue. <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. And we're the host of a brand new podcast, Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast of the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season, be it Season 2, which is currently airing on MSN Video, or Season 3, which is in the early pre-production stage. 
We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2, as well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! Hi, I'm Rick Moyer, and I want to tell you about my brand new podcast. It's called Take Him With You. Every week I talk about what's going on in my geeky little world of television, music, and in my faith. My hope is that in a world that can sometimes be really depressing, for at least a few moments you can be encouraged and smile a bit. So come check it out. www.takehimwithyou.com The weekly podcast that's spiritual not religious. I'd love to have you listen. Thanks. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. All other music was obtained through the Podsafe Music Network.